Encouraging Others Through Christ, podcast episode number 128. Entertaining, educational, and encouraging content that makes a difference. This is GSPN.TV. Join the community. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Encouraging Others Through Christ. Cliff Ravenscraft here, and my friends, I have another wonderful episode here once again. I'm just so excited about the things that God is doing in my life and the lives of people around me and the conversations that I get to be a part of. And of course, my favorite thing to do with an audio podcast is share some of these amazing conversations that I've been blessed with with you. And today, I am very happy to welcome back to the show, Wayne Jacobson. Wayne, thank you for coming on again. My pleasure, Cliff. Thanks for having me. Well, I'll tell you, uh, you were a huge success with the community of gspn.tv and the folks listening to the show. Is that right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I think probably there's been about maybe 150, 200 people that have purchased uh, So You Don't Want to Go to Church Anymore. Oh my goodness. And I'll, I'll tell you, I'm just, I'm just delighted to hear people having these conversations. I'm, I'm, it's, it's just blowing my mind, the opportunities. Yeah. But uh, today we're going to be talking about something that I am very much looking forward to hearing a lot more detail about from you. Uh, I had written you a very lengthy postscript in an email <laughs> after, after our initial uh, recording that we had done a couple weeks ago. And I, I shared with you just, you know, something that you had just mentioned almost in passing uh, with a conversation that you had with Brad on the God journey. And it had to do with money and the free, you know, how you had finally come to a place where you became, you know, free from this worry and anxiety of money. And, and I just shared a little bit of the, you know, the, you know, some of the breakthroughs that I've had recently and what God's been laying on my heart. But still there's this tension inside between trusting and actually setting goals and going towards big dreams and 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 basically tossing out a ton of junk programming that I've picked up along the way of of how money is and and all kinds of other stuff. And Wayne, I'd like to read the email response that you read to me or that you wrote to me first. Sure. And then we'll just wherever the spirit leads us in this conversation, I'm good. But this is what you wrote back, and and I I have I have just like really soaked this in. But it says here it says you wrote, "This has been one of the greatest joys of my journey. God setting me free from any concern about my financial income, and that happened about 15 years ago when we had nothing, and God just kept providing for us. We got our kids through college without any savings for it because I had been in." quote unquote ministry and had never made enough to do it. But since we have found him to be faithful in the Matthew six kind of way, stop planning and fretting and follow and just follow me. Receive what he gives, charge for what he asks us to charge for, give away whatever he asks us to give away and save what he asks us to save. It's amazing how much clarity I have about these things and I know and how much peace that has left me in these many years. But I know there isn't an easy prepackaged formula, but a place he wins us to or wins us into, which also means that there were plenty of scary times in my Puritan work ethic farming background. <laughs> Wayne, 
tell us the story, my friend, because I'll I tell you what, I, I don't I don't know if anybody else is looking forward to hearing this one. I'm looking forward to hearing this one. Wow. Well, that's a that's a whole lot of uh, I just listening to you read that going, man, that is so many years of stuff packed into that little paragraph that just kind of flew out at something you mentioned. But uh, yeah, and I, I think when we, we talk about this, because I, I know I think we all do. We know lots of people who went off to trust God with their finances and ended up losing their home or going bankrupt or whatever. I mean, those stories are just apocryphal and they're, they're many. So when people start thinking this way, I get a little scared because I know people who said, well, I'm going to try and live like Wayne lives. And then they write me six months later going, are you going to make my house payment, dude? Because I haven't made one in three months or four months. (laughs) No, I don't think I'm going to be doing that for you, unfortunately. Because I I think, and I think this is some of the stuff we have to get rid of. You talk about some of the programming you've got to shed. And I think part of what I learned growing up was we had to trust God for things. If we could trust God for our income, or if we could trust God, whatever, then we're always trying to trust God for something. And I think what I've learned on this journey is trust is not something that we fabricate. Trust is the fruit of a relationship that, that God wins. And I know when God first asked me to live this way, and I would have always said when I was pastoring and I was getting an income from the board, and I would have always said, I trust Jesus for my income until all that went away (laughs) and I wasn't being paid anymore. And I I had two books that had been in print. Both were out of print. Uh, I was doing some traveling at the time, but the traveling was largely based on the success of this church I was pastoring, and it had kicked me out of the church I planted. Um, I had a co-pastor who decided he wanted to be the senior pastor. And so one day I'm out of town speaking elsewhere. He announces my resignation, which I had not offered. And I I knew it was, you know, for me to come back and fight my way back into that would have been so divisive in the congregation. I just felt like God asked me to walk away from it. And when I did, I thought, well, now I've got to look for a real job because I don't have any visible means of support. And, uh, I felt like there was this nudge in my heart of God just saying, I want to take care of you. I want you to keep doing the things you were doing, uh, which wasn't necessarily pastoring, but it was caring for people, encouraging people to grow, doing some writing. This was way before the internet, so I wasn't posting anything. And it was just, follow me and I'll take care of you. And I just didn't even know how to get my head around that, much less my heart. I, I read Matthew 6 like most people do and go, yeah, that'd be great. But it's just not realistic. For those who aren't familiar, tell us what Matthew 6 says. Well, it's Jesus talking about the birds of the air and the flowers of the field. They, they don't toil or spin. They don't, they don't worry. They don't fret. And God takes care of them. And if he does that for birds and flowers, how much more for you? And I, I've heard that passage taught saying we shouldn't have any insurance because we've got to trust God. You shouldn't have any retirement. You shouldn't have any savings. And I don't think that's what he was talking about. He was talking about a way to live inside the reality of his work in us and if we do that, and where we do that, we don't have to worry about how God resources our life because he'll just find ways to do it. And we learned that in, in the doing. Not I didn't focus on Matthew 6 and go try and apply it to my life. I actually was found myself without income and God just saying, I'm going to take care of you. And I had no idea what that meant. And I, as I said in the little postscript to you, I grew up on a farm. My, you know, my dad schooled me in the don't work, don't eat camp. Of, you know, you, you've got to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. And I'm a hardworking guy. I'm a straight A student in high school and college and, you know, a very conscientious, hardworking pastor and drawing a salary probably beneath what I could have made in the private sector. But we were committed to a mission. And so that wasn't all that significant. And now to be caught in a place of going, okay, God, I don't even know how you do that. I don't even know how you take care of me. And 
And yet we watched every month there would just be enough income around our lives. Sometimes it's because I painted a house for a friend and he gave us a check. Sometimes it was some writing thing I'd done. Somebody wanted to reprint and send me in advance. It was just a lot of weird stuff that kept taking care of us. And we had some friends that were really committed to what we were, the, the message we had and the things we were doing in the world. And so occasionally we get a check. But I, I told God from the beginning is I'm not going to raise support. If you want to take care of me, take care of me. And I think I've been so offended, I think, by the way people who quote unquote live by faith manipulate people that I just didn't want to be one of those. Right. And uh, I'll tell you how this began to get one in me. It was six months into this part of our journey, and Sarah and I are eking along with enough income. We got two kids in high school, headed for college. We're making enough to pay the bills every month, but we don't have a lot extra. And, you know, God's taking care of us. But every time we look down the road, we're going, how does this work six months from now? Yeah, God saved our bacon last month. Mm -hmm. But what's the six-month plan here, and is this going to work? One, one second. I just want to say, those words... I am I am four years into this business now, and I have experienced the God saving our bacon every single stinking month. I mean, there has not been a single month that God did not save our bacon, and and it's every single month. It's always, but how's he gonna do it this month? What do I need to do? And 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 it never fails that sometimes I I get so caught up and say. Oh, I have an idea how God's going to save our bacon this month. I'm going to pursue this. And the next thing I know, I find myself working 60, 80, 90 hours a week working on a project. And by golly, over the course of three months, I have these big, huge, you know, income months where, you know, $23,000 this month came into the business. It's like, yeah. And then that was, that was in October of 2010 or November of 2010. And and it's like, wow, this is such a high. And then I got sick from a sinus infection. I was completely knocked out for two weeks and couldn't work. A, I mean, I couldn't sit up. And yeah. I'm like, oh, wow. And God's like, dude, do you understand? It's not your work that's, that's, that's causing you to financially take care of things. I'm doing that. And, 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 and it became clear through the um, autobiography of George Mueller that right. God began to speak to me about this thing that you're talking about. So yeah. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but when you, when you said, you know, month after month, God saves the bacon, but it's like, okay, but six months from now, I see this big expense. How's this going to happen? I'm, I'm, I, I have anxiety and I have a bit of fear of the unknown. And what do I need to do? What do I need to do? And so, so did you, did you ever get, did you ever get rid of the, what do I need to do? Yeah, eventually. I mean, this takes time. I, I think what were the things we're talking about, one thing I want to say about it is I don't think this is Christianity 101. I don't think we learn to trust God and trust his voice and trust his leading with big things like finances. I, I really do think that where God wins us into the space of, of trusting his voice and following it really comes in some of the most mundane things in life, going by a full sink of dishes and thinking, why well, isn't my wife keeping up with the dishes? And hearing the Holy Spirit just nudge and say, why are they her dishes? You've got two hands, why don't you wash them? And so instead of kind of begrudging my wife, not doing what I think she should be doing, the Holy Spirit's nudging me to serve her. And I think this is where we learn to follow the work of the Lord, if you want to use that terminology. It's not even our vocation or profession, it's are we sensitive enough to the nudges? And is that serving people? And if it is in the most mundane ways, you know, when Jesus talks about if you're faithful over a little, make you faithful over much, there seems to be a growth process he has in mind. 
that if we're faithful in the elementary things of serving our, our spouses, loving our children, uh, caring for our neighbor, if, if we just do those basic things as he prods us, then he opens to other things in our life. So I'm one growing in that part of my life. And then I, all of a sudden I'm left at this financial thing and like every month going, gosh, I've got to do something. What are we going to do? And the one nudge that kept coming to my heart is when I'd complain at God at times, like I'm a real Jeremiah guy. I don't mind complaining at God if I feel like, I don't do much now, but I used to a lot. And I'd complain. I just had this little nudge in my heart. Do you have enough today? And I'd go, yeah, we have enough today. Well, that's, that's what Matthew 6 promises. It doesn't promise enough today for six months from now. It promises enough for today. I'm like, I don't know that I want to live here. Puritan work ethic kicks in again, but one of, the, one of the big steps, I want to tell you this little story because it really was profound for me. I was starting this new ministry we called Lifestream, quote unquote, and I was invited to come and teach three and a half or two and a half weeks at a seminary in Singapore from pastors all over the 1040 window and trying to help them give a different view of what the church could be and what they could be as pastors. And so I was asked to come. They promised me $1,000 a week for teaching, promised me my airfare round trip. And I was really excited about it to, to go there. And then I was tagging onto that trip, going to Singapore, going down to Australia to meet with some people that had been writing me that I was dying to meet. So I had this whole trip put together. And what they had promised to pay me was going to pay for that trip. It was going to catch my airfare for all of that. It was going to catch Sarah's airfare to come and join me in Australia. And a, a day I was going to buy my ticket, I got a fax from Singapore and it just said, uh, we'd still love to have you come. We've hit this financial wall. We can't afford to pay you anything we promised. If you still want to come as a gift, we're happy to have you come and teach, but uh, we can't pay you a thing to come. And I, I was going off to pray with the brothers and sisters that uh, helped Sarah and I sort out this part of our lives. And I pulled that fax off and I read it to Sarah while we were driving down to this meeting. And I just said, man, I am so sick. And she said, well, I said, I just really thought this was a God thing. Now, obviously it's not. And Got there and shared that with the, the folks that pray with us. And one of the guys said, did you have vision in your heart for going to Singapore? And I said, yeah. And he said, so we're not going, why? And I said, because we don't have the money. He says, you know what? I just don't think that's the consideration. If God's invited you and if you have the sense of what he wants to do, then I think we go and just see him provide. And I'm like, I have no, this is $3,300. And I've got no, <laughs> I've got nothing that says yeah, I see where that's coming from. And, I, and I'm cantankerous enough at this point, if God wanted to really take care of my life, I didn't want to help him in the sense of putting out the word that I was on a mission trip. And if you want to donate, I just didn't want to do that. I, as if you're going to take care of me, then you got to take care of me. I don't want to help you in the sense of being a beggar. Yeah. And so I mentioned it to no one. Right before I leave, my son has an appendicitis attack. And I mean, his appendix breaks. He's in the hospital I'm, we don't have health insurance. I'm going, okay, I've got, because when I went home from that meeting, I, I bought the tickets, $3,200 worth of tickets. And this is tried two or three weeks before I'm going to go. And we don't have the money to pay it. And uh, then my son's in the hospital. And I'm going, I don't know how we're going to pay this. And I'm going off to Singapore and spending all this money. And God, do you see what's going on around here? <laughs> and just stressing out. And, got, and as Sarah took me to the airport the next morning. She said, by the way, your tickets are all paid for. And I said, what are you talking about? She said, Money's just come in over the last couple of weeks. And I said, from like our board or, you know, people that were praying with us, she said, no, no, these are people that don't know at all what's going on, but they've sent money. Your ticket's paid for. And mine too. And I said, you gotta be kidding. I go to Singapore. The man who from the seminary picks me up, driving me back to his place in his car. 
And he looks over at me and he says, why are you here? <laughs> you invited me. He said, we invited 12 of you from America to come this summer and teach as part of our curriculum. And he said, we sent the same facts to all of you and you're the only one coming. <laughs> and I went inside the car, I'm going, I was the idiot. <laughs> I was the big fool. No one else is even here. And outside, I'm saying the right stuff. I'm saying, well, you know, we're trusting God for this. And I said, Wayne, we really can't pay you a thing. I said, I understand that. I free, I'm saying the right stuff on the outside. Inside, I'm going, what a moron I am. And I get there and start the seminary, enjoying the class. And they've got me scheduled to speak at a few places while I'm there to kind of help defray expenses. But the, 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 the money from speaking wasn't much. A lot of it was little house group things and they didn't have much. And so I, I wasn't making any money that way. And then the, the last week of the school, Every time I walked past the receptionist's desk, she would say, Wayne, come here a minute. And I'd come over to the receptionist at the seminary. She would say, somebody came by and left this envelope for you. And people were dropping by, leaving me money. Now, I have never mentioned people where I spoke. I never mentioned I was there on faith and trusting God's provision. And talk about it at all. And as we kind of worked through that, uh, during the whole week, I get money kept coming in and I kept throwing it in my suitcase going, I don't know what to do with this. And it just kept coming in. And I knew it was getting to be fairly substantial now. And I went out, I got done with my last class. I walked out, there's a man standing there, a businessman said, what are you doing for lunch? And I said, I don't have any plans. I've got to the airport by six, but I got no plans for lunch. He said, let me take you to lunch. I said, fine. So we went out to lunch and while we're sitting there, he hands me an envelope. And he says, God said you needed this. And it was $400 of Singapore dollars. And I went, wow, that's amazing. Thank you. And got back to the room, dug up all the money, counted it up, took it out on the street to change it into U.S. dollars before I left for, uh, for Australia. And it was $3,200 and change. Everything the seminary had promised me, even though the ticket had already been paid before I left, everything he had promised me. And I, so I come walking back into the, the seminary going, that's really crazy. And the receptionist says, Wayne, uh, come here, man. I'm going, no, not another one. She said, no, no, no. The provost wants to talk to you. And so I went up to the, his office and he said, we can't thank you enough. And he said, we're embarrassed that we're not paying you for what you've done. And he said, I've got a little gift I want to give you that we've collected for you. He said, I know it's, I said, it's embarrassing. It doesn't even cover your airplane ticket. And he reached in his, he reached in his drawer and he pulled out five US $100 bills and he laid them on his desk. And he said, this is for you. And I said, you know, my friend, when, we, when I came, we said we we're going to trust God to provide for this. And I reached in my pocket, I pulled out 32 $100 bills and changed. <laughs> and I laid on his desk and he says, what's that? And I said, that's what God's provided. How? So I told him the story. Because that's really weird. I said, I, does this happen in Singapore? He said, no, this never happens in Singapore. And I've been back twice since. He's right. It doesn't happen in Singapore. <laughs> and he said, this is a miracle. And I'm going, it is. So I said, keep your 500. I know your staff's behind, whatever. He said, no, no, our staff's all caught up. We want to be part of this. And so for 10 minutes, we kept shoving this $500 across the desk. Here, you take it. No, I really have what God promised. You take it. No, this is a big miracle. We want to be part of it. He kept shoving it to you. And I went over to Australia. The same thing happened there. I was there 10, 12 days. People kept walking up saying, God told me you needed this. And they would hand us money. And by the time I got home, not only were the tickets were paid, our life had been paid for, my son's medical expenses had been paid for. And I hadn't mentioned this to anyone, any of the needs. And it was, it was one of those little things of God saying, see, I can do this. And yet I know it's a tightrope. I know it's a tightrope. I don't necessarily want to walk. And I, and I feel to some extent, I feel, God, I don't want everybody just to save my bacon every, week, every month or week just because people are going to give because you said. And one of the things I got called up on was, are, are, if you're going to let me provide for you, you've got to let me do it my way. 
If I want to give it to you, great. If I'm going to give you a home to paint and you can make money that way, then do that. But just live inside of what I'm telling you to do. And for me, when I talk about being one into trust, it's that kind of thing. It's something huge God does, even in the face of my recalcitrance, which is I'm not going to help you. I'm not going to mention this need anywhere. I'm not telling my friends. I'm not. I'm not helping you. I'm going to defy you not to do it. The upshot of that was after I got home, and this was a big place of Sarah and I to learn to live love, the part of the journey we tell about, and he loves me, the book. But it was, I, I lived like a kid trying to earn God's love almost my whole life. And about 42 now, I'm beginning to see, gosh, you do love me, and you do want to care for my life. And that's going to take me on a very, very different journey. And this provision thing, even coming back from there and seeing God do that, continue to do that, I'm still feeling every day like, I'm being irresponsible. I'm, I'm just waking up, I'm obeying him. I'm doing a lot of stuff. I'm writing, I'm speaking, I'm encouraging people. I'm meeting individually with folks on a journey to encourage them. I've got plenty of work to do, but none of it's directly generating income in any measurable way, in when any are, way at all. When are we talking about here? Are you still talking about in the past? Yeah, I'm still okay. talking about, yeah. yeah in, I just uh, wanted to know if that was current thoughts today about the idea that I feel really... Um, uh, irresponsible. You, so you don't have that, those feelings today though, right? I don't. And it was actually because a brother from Australia was here a couple years after this. And I've been living with these doubts. I mean, every month is a struggle, even though God's providing, I'm not resting in it. I'm like, Ugh! it's like white knuckling it. And, and he came at a point of just really, we were, we, we had some pretty good financial need. And he said, oh, and I said, I said, I just feel so irresponsible. He said, but it's not irresponsible if you're following God. I said, yeah, but I'm not sure I'm following God. I mean, I think I am. He said, well, is he caring for you? And I went, well, yeah. Well, then what are, you, what are you worried about? And I said, I don't know. I feel guilty all the time. And then he said this to me, and it was profound. He said, when did you tell God you wouldn't live by faith? And I said, when did I tell God I wouldn't live by faith? And he said, yeah, when? I said, I was 12 years old. He said, you remember? I said, I remember the moment. My, I was sitting in my parents' home. One, my dad just gotten off the phone with a brother who was starting to live by faith and he was calling mom and dad to say he needed help paying his bill and my dad was saying, I guess we got to give him something. And I could see, and that's what we called living by faith back in the day. And I could see the pressure that put on my parents to have to do something that wasn't in their heart to do, but they were going to do it for this friend. And I remember saying to God, God, I will never live by faith. I, I, used, to, I used those exact words. And so when he asked me some 30 years later, why are you, when did you promise God you wouldn't live by faith? And I said, well, that, and I told him a story. He said, yeah, so you made a covenant with, with yourself that God's not honoring. You need to renounce it. You just need to renounce that you, because you thought living by faith was living by begging. Living by faith is you're trusting God to resource you as you're doing the things he's asking you to do in the world. And I said, yeah. And he said, you need to renounce it. And so we did. We prayed together. I renounced that. From that time on, I have lived without those feelings of, Wow, I, I should be doing something more. I, I just, I've just continued to do what God's asked me to do. I, every, you know, few months or so, I'm going to ask God if you want me to get a real job. If you're done caring for me in this way, just let me know because I don't mind if you want me to do something else. I'm not married to this way of living, but if this is in fact what you've asked me to do, then just keep providing. And and I had this backstop, and this may help some of your listeners, Cliff. I had this backstop, Sarah and I. If I ever was going to put my house payment on a credit card, then I would say, this isn't working. I'm going to get a real job. Now, I talk to people who put their house payment for six months on a credit card. And I'm going, whoa, you didn't have any backstops. You didn't have any place where you would say, obviously, whatever's going on here isn't working. And now they've got themselves in debt that they can't crawl out of. 
And we always had that. I told Sarah, I'd flip burgers. I'd do anything. If, if the first time we put a payment, house payment on a credit card, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to find a job and I'll take care of us myself. I mean, that's, that's kind of where I was with it. I don't see that the same way now because I, I think it would just say there's other ways God wants to resource me. What would it be like if every person who was listening to, to your podcast, Cliff, knew that what job they had wasn't to pay their salary? It's because God wanted them to be there for yes. the people that were near. And he's resourcing them through that, sure. But that's not why they're there. How many people feel like they're stuck in this dead-end job just to make a living and don't see it as part of the mission and vision and place God's put them in the world? I can't even begin to tell you how that's exactly what God's been laying on my heart. I mean, it, it is absolutely that I... It is my desire and my goal to help people break free from the idea that we work for money to pay the bills, but yeah. instead that we all are here with a mission and a purpose and a, and, and with prepared works that God has in store for us. And, and that I am understanding, I, I, I will tell you, I, while I, I, I don't know if I know it in my heart and I don't, and I struggle in my mind or I know it in my mind and I struggle in my heart. I, I don't know which one it is. But the thing is, I know the truth of God's provision and I already know somewhere that that money is nothing more than the resources that God uses to help us to do the things that he's called us to do. You know, that if, exactly. I, if I seek God first, uh, seek his kingdom first, basically spend my time saying, God, here's here we are in our relationship what is it that you have for me today and then i do those things that he will he will meet my every single need there without exception yeah. i i know that somewhere i still i still struggle to live it out i i, I yeah. th- there's some part of me that's still struggling to live it out that i still need to do i need to i need it, it, it's, it's, it's that struggle of living by faith. But um, the idea... And this is where I think, this is, I think, where we twisted the Gospels a little bit. Jesus says stuff like Matthew 6 or Luke 6, where he talks about love your enemies. We read that stuff going, this is impossible. Uh, you know, but we try to act like we can do it. I think Jesus said a lot of things, just like telling the guys to feed the crowd of 5,000. They've got, what, we've got a little boy's lunch here. What are you talking about? I think God puts things in front of us that we know we're fully incapable of doing and instead of walking away, we're going to, I think what Jesus had in mind is we'd ask him, can you teach me to live this way? Can you teach me to love my enemy? The, the guy whose head I want to rip off and tear it into a million pieces. I want to know how to love that guy. And I want to know how to live in your provision and not just think I've got to work for a living and do my own job. And I think these are the things God wins us into. And in the winning, there's that conflict that you talk about, the head, heart, heart, head, whatever it is. Yep. There's a part of me that says, I know God's a provider, but there's another part of me that says, but I've got to help him. I can't be, uh, you know, I can't, I, I've got to do my part. If I don't do my part, God won't do his part. And then we kind of just talk ourselves out of the very realities that God wants to win us into. But I, I would just encourage people, let God win you into this reality. Don't just, you know, quit your job this afternoon because I heard Cliff and Wayne talking about it. And I'm going to quit my job now and I'm going to start me a podcast. And I'm going to hope God provides for me. <laughs> it's living inside what God asks you to do. And then it also is willing to live on God's provision, which you know, Jesus is the one that said, if you have food and clothes, be content with that. Don't, it's not, I get to live a high lifestyle if I'm going to live this way. God's going to provide millions for me. He may, he may not. I know people have very, very little and live in God's provision with that very, very little. And I, you've got to be content with what God provides and live within that. 
rather than I think some people get the, the whole idea of I'm a trust in God to make me rich idea is I'm going to live extravagantly and people like that just go into all kinds of debt and personal destruction because they're, they're not living on God's resource either on the end of doing what he asks them to do or living by what he gives them. Right. They're, they're off track on both of those and that can lead to real disaster. The, the interesting thing that I find in my own personal life is that, you know, I, I feel like I'm more successful financially. I mean, I know that success has so much more than just with money. But it, when I think of financially, I'm so much more su- su- successful now than when I was at the highest of high in my insurance career. And I was doing pretty darn well then. Hmm. The only difference is, is when I worked as an employee in a family run insurance agency, I was getting a paycheck at the end of the week, whether I, I produced or not. Now, <laughs> you know, that, that's that's the thing It's like, you know, as long as, you know, as, if, if I kind of slack off a little bit, as long as dad's selling, you know, eh, things are going to be OK, you know, because because yeah. I had a down month. But you know what? The paycheck at the end of the month still going to be here. I know the minimum I'm going to make. Yeah. Working for myself. I got nothing. <laughs> I if I there is no guarantee when you work for yourself. And exactly. And that that was the that's been the biggest struggle for me. And 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 so and I think you've heard about this and I know my community knows this that that last year 2011 after reading George Mueller I said, you know, I I God I know you have provided for me through this whole process from 2008, 2009, 2010. I know that. But I am labeling 2011 the year of provision. And what I mean by that, God, is I am looking for you to provide. And I'm going to be looking for those spontaneous checks that come in the mail that weren't expected, but they just showed up at the right time. And I'm telling you, it happened over and over again. And for those of you who are basically tuning in for the very first time, I just encourage you to do this. Go to gspn.tv. That stands for Generally Speaking Production Network.tv, not .com. So if you go to gspn.tv forward slash year of providence or year of provision, it doesn't matter which one you go to, it'll take you to the same place. You will see a photo or a, a, an image of a letter with a check for $12,000 attached to it. Wow. And and that came in the mail and I will tell you we were Stephanie and I were sitting here we were paying our bills and she says we've got this expense and this expense and this expense and I know you normally each month I pay myself a net of $3,100 to take care of our family of 5 and she goes but we need you to write a check for like 4,600 this month. And I'm like you're talking net 4,000 that's a whole lot. And she goes, is the money there? And I'm like, yeah. She goes, we really need it. And I remember sitting there just, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm freaking out. Now the thing is yeah. I made, I made 13,000 or no, I made, I made a, just over $11,000 the month before more money than I normally would make for the business. And I'm like, and I'm sitting there struggling to take that extra money that was provided by God and writing a check. And, and, and my wife looks at me and she goes, I understand. And I could just see that sunking, you know, yeah. it's like, oh, how are we going to, boy, this is going to be tough. And I don't know how we're going to grocery shop on this little tiny budget if you don't do this. And, and, and inside my heart, God's like, is this the year of Providence, Cliff? Is this the year? And, and, I, and I'm like, let me write the check. And I am not kidding you. Stephanie, she goes, she's on the way to the bank to deposit the check that I, ju- it took, I mean, literally, my hands are shaking as I'm writing this check. 
And I'm like, I can't believe, man, I, I, this, this is money I could have just stored away in that extra savings account for the business. But I wrote the check anyway. And I'm not kidding you. In the mailbox all day long had been sitting this envelope, which contains the letter which people will see if they go to <laughs> gspn.tv slash year of providence. It was, Stephanie did not get that in the mail until she was on the way to the post office. All day long it had been sitting there. She brings it in. And she says, you're going to need to look at this. And she had already opened it and saw it. And I'm like, what is it? And she goes, I can't tell you. You need to open it. And I open it up and I pull out this letter and out falls this check. And I look, it's a check for $12,000 that says, you know what? I, I've been watching you. I've seen what you've been doing. I believe in what you're doing. And I see that you just recently made a decision to stop charging for any content. You give everything away for free. Um, dude, I am so impressed by what I hear and what I see and what you're doing. And it says here that, you know, you accept one time donations of any amount and said, I hope you don't mind. My donation amount is $12,000. Wow. (laughs) And I'm like, and, 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 and God specifically spoke to me in that moment saying here last month, you made 11,000 some odd dollars, but you worked your butt off every single day of the week. And, and yeah, you know what? You told me you'd take Sundays off. I saw those 10, you know, <laughs> I saw those 10 hours racking up on Sundays. You know, I, I saw that. He goes, but here's the thing I want to tell you. With one movement of my spirit, I can take somebody who doesn't even, you know, I, I, I'm a very close personal friend with this, this individual right now. And I can tell you right now, he's not, he's not atheist, but he's not, he doesn't just like, oh, God laid it on my heart. It's, right. it's just like, Dude, I just felt this is what God wants me to do. I, I'm, I, I just felt this was what I wanted to do, and yeah. God's like, I can do that in a, in a snap. You know, it, it doesn't take anything for me to do that. And it took you how many hours to accumulate that? He goes, This is the year of providence, Cliff. Quit hmm. worrying. Stop being anxious. Yeah, and that's I mean, God's got to invite us into that space. I, you know, as much as you can say, man, we all ought to live that way. No, you'll live that way when God leads you into the reality of that. I, I remember in the middle of living this way, someone shared with me, this was way back before the Singapore experience, way before I had any comfort in living this way. And they shared with me an article from Watchman Nee about the, the, the Christian worker, the man whom God entrusts with his work. And it said, don't ever let that man take a salary. Don't ever let that man ask anyone for money. If he can't trust God to provide for him, God will not entrust his people to him. And I'm like, I read this going, this is not good news. man. This is everything I've been afraid of. This is why I'm still on salary. I still have regular means of income. And I felt like back in that season, there was a moment when God asked me if I would, even when I was still pastoring, would you lay down your salary and trust me to take care of you and still do what you're doing for the church, but not get paid for it? And I remember him asking me that. I was on this long walk. And by the time I got back from this prayer walk, I had talked myself out of it. Of course, that can't be God. That's just crazy. And then after a few years of living this way, God brought me back to that conversation. And I went, remember, I asked you to do this? Oh, yeah. And he said, and and there was that feeling in me. It was, oh, that's horrible. And he said, yeah, but I said, I knew you weren't ready then. It's almost reminiscent of that moment in the shack where, Mac and, and, and Papa are on the porch and Mac, Mac's realizing now how much he's missed what God's invited him into. And he said, gosh, I'm sitting here thinking about all the times I've been disobedient to you. And Papa says back to Mac, you know, the first time I asked you to do this, I knew it would take 42 times of me asking 
before we'd have enough trust for you to actually do it. And so when you're 22 times in and you're thinking, gosh, I've disobeyed God 22 times, you know what I'm thinking? I've only got 20 times to go. Mm-hmm. And that's such a statement of grace and of life and that God's in us to teach us to live in his freedom, teach us to live as he's the father that he said he was. And that that's that's the Christian growth. That's the, how he transforms us over time. And it's very much not, I'm going to go to a, live in financial freedom class. It very much is, what am I facing today? Expenses or income, whatever. What is God asking me to do with it? And just living inside that space, then God opens the door for what else he has for us that can be incredible. Four years before, I couldn't see it. I couldn't do, I I now know that if I'd resigned my salary and kept working for that fellowship, one, it really would have confused them because part of the knock with me is Wayne's doing a lot of things and we're paying him and he's not doing enough for our congregation. That was part of the knock. That would have been gone because I'm, yeah, I'm doing other things, but you're not paying me. I'm just here as God leads me to be here. And I I wonder what it would have done for that whole conflict, but I now know that he would have cared for me. It, It wasn't the church paying my salary. It wasn't. It was him, but I never knew it. Hmm. And learning to live inside that space is one of the truest joys I've had on this journey, for sure. Well, I, I do recall, I mean, I, there's, there's no question. I rem- remember every conversation God and I had about money uh, when I was reading George Mueller's autobiography. Are, you're familiar with that story, I assume? I am. And I read it like 25, 30 years ago, long before. I mean, I'd read that going, oh, I wish. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. And, <laughs> yeah. and you know, the, here's the thing is is i i remember reading this and i remember the conversations that god was you know speaking to my heart and and i come i come away from this god is this what you're calling me to do and 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 i can honestly say that i i really truly believe that god's saying you know what i'm not asking you to do that but i am asking you to understand where your resources come from yeah and it's not your 60 80 90 hours a week you know what I want I I don't want you to live like that. I want you to be the I want you to be a husband. I want you to be a father. I want you to be the father you never had. I want you to be the father like I'm a father to you that you still can't quite yet comprehend because you never had that father. Yeah. You know, and 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 the thing is is I need you to have life with margin. I want you to not have to ever feel like, wow, I didn't spend time with God today. I feel so horrible. I want you to desire to be with me. And I want you to have the freedom to be with me and not feel guilty about the fact that you're not working. You know, the, these are the things God was saying to me as I'm reading George Mueller's autobiography. And he's like, "What? this is, he says, the, I'm telling you, year of 2011, year of provision. And the first thing he tells me to do, the very first thing he says, you know that $28,000 you got last year from charging people for the extra content? I want you to give it all away for free. Oh my goodness. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. And he's yeah. like, yes, that's what I want you to do. And I did. I, I gave and it and and it as soon as soon as I made the decision to give it all away for free, God says, you know, that cruise that you're afraid that you can't go on. I want you to go on that cruise and take that speaking opportunity with that very successful author who when, mm. I, when you're connected to him, he's going to connect you to people and you're going to be so booked with consulting calls for 2011. You're not going to know what to do with yourself. He says, I don't want you to just take yourself. I want you to take your entire family of five on that wow. seven day cruise. Wow. And I'm like, but how am I going to do that? I don't have any clue of how I'm going to make money this year. And, yeah. he, and and it wasn't until four weeks 
before I went on this cruise that I had this idea of this thing called podcasting A to Z where I would have 20 people who paid $800 each to spend five weeks with me and I will teach them online and through group coaching. This is this is how you start a podcast from scratch and I'm going to make sure you successfully do it. And he says, do and and, and by the way, I, I so I started to put all that together and I, I figure out how it's all going to happen. God miraculously just teaches me to do things that I've never been trained to do and and it just all comes together and then it's time to leave for the cruise. I have two people signed up. <laughs> two people signed up and it's time to leave for the cruise. Yeah. And the and by the way, the class starts the week after I get back from the cruise. On we took 2 days to drive to Florida. On the drive to Florida, I had signed up 14 individuals. It's a good and, thing it wasn't off Italy that you were on this ship. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. <laughs> yeah. But, but so all these people signed up. And then when I got back home, the very last person of the 20 signed up the day the class started. That was wow. $16,000 that God provided through yeah. this thing. And and the idea for that, that, that class had never occurred to me until after I was obedient to giving away the content. Yeah. And and of course that that led to some amazing things and ah uh, so I know. I I know, but yet there's still tension. And, and well, I think part of part of I think for me the religious god I grew up with is a miser. You got to beg, borrow, steal, quote scriptures at him to get him to do anything. Yeah. And so when you read stuff like 2 Corinthians where Paul's talking about, you know, generosity begets generosity and you, if God's been generous with you, you be generous with other people. And I'm reading that stuff going, I don't even know what a generous God looks like. I have no idea. And now the last 15 years, I've got to learn to live inside the reality of a generous God. And a few years ago, I was in Pennsylvania. I, I mostly don't do seminars anymore. I mostly do conversations with people on this journey. And I get to meet in homes with 25, 30, 40 people and dialogue about their journey and help them piece it together. But when I got to this place in Pennsylvania, it was obviously they wanted me to do a seminar and they want me to teach through this. And I, so I was on my way down there and I, I just felt that little nudge of, you know, I think I'll tape this. So I, I, I brought my uh, iBook along and I had a mic I could plug into it. And I just, I know you told me not to do that, but I recorded on a computer. But I, <laughs> I did it on a whim because I knew this was not going to be a conversation. It was people that just really wanted teaching. And I did this thing, called it Transitions. Uh, and, and I was flying back on the plane with it. And Sarah and I were at a really rough time financially. Not, not rough, just it was a squeeze. The, we're kind of looking at the next month going, yeah, you know, it's worked up till now. We hope it keeps working. And I'm sitting on the plane thinking, yeah, eight hours, that's eight CDs, uh, $4 a CD, $32 a set. Man, this is going to take care of us for a while. And I'm plotting through that whole thing sitting on the airplane. And I just, the Holy Spirit nudges, I want you to give it away. And I went, what? I, uh, I got back, shared it with some of the people that we pray with. And they're going, do you think this could be God? And they're going, do you think it's you, really? Do you think you would say, hey, let's give it away? I'm going, yeah, no, that doesn't sound like me. <laughs> and so we did from the very beginning. I mean, we do sell some CDs for people who can't figure out how to download an MP3 off of the internet. But it's been online free for, oh, five or six years now. It is sold. I mean, it has been downloaded hundreds of thousands of times by people all over the world. I've downloaded it. Yeah, and we just gave it away. And people, you know, I go somewhere and say, I, I gave away 20 copies of that. Hope you don't mind. I said, no, no, we gave it away. But God continued to take care of us. When, when you live on God's generosity, then you're not having to, this miserly, when he tells me to give it away, I can't, I've, I've got I've to hoard it. 
The other thing, Sarah and I are getting up in years, and we've never done much about retirement. So there are things where God's saying, put some things away now. So I was like, yeah, save where he asks you to save, give where he asks you to give, but don't do it out of the fear that God won't take care of you. Do it in the assurance that he will. Mm. And that, that's a different way of living. And for us, it's been a huge learning curve because I didn't grow up with a generous God. I, I mean, people talked about it, but none of us acted like God was, in fact, a generous father. And now I'm getting to live in it and I'm getting to share things like that. And, and I love the journey you're on. I love what he's taught you because obviously you, you're a great gift in doing what you do and helping people do this better. I mean, just some of the audio that you've helped me with in the last couple of weeks has been a tremendous blessing, I'm sure, to some of our God Journey listeners who are going, it could be better audio, I'm sure. And uh, so you not only are a real blessing to people, God's resourcing you through it and giving away out of your life from it. And I just think that's a great joy. Well, it, it, and it, you know, and the one thing that, you know, God has been teaching me a lot and, and I, and I'm a sponge trying to soak in as much as I can. And, and I'll be honest with you. Um, I just, right before this episode, this is, I can't remember what episode this is right now. Uh, I said at the beginning, but anyway, the last episode I put out just the other night and it was, uh, a, a teaching that, uh, my good friend, David Foster, uh, did on a, his podcast and it was something about you know God setting free you know uh, redeeming our mind that, mm-hmm. that we're free to think like ourselves we don't have to think like other people and one of the things that I I do a lot and and honestly I feel God's called me to do is to read a lot of self-help books and in in my religious background um, I've been kind of trained to think that that stuff's mumbo jumbo and that yep. you need to avoid that that you know whatever the mind can conceive it can you can achieve and you need to you need to get any if it if you if you read anything and it has the word universal consciousness <gasps> frank peretti is going to tell you right now the <laughs> demons from heaven are are descended upon you <laughs> and if he won't dave hunt will <laughs> <laughs> and and so all of these things and and so you know i i read this book by napoleon hill called think and grow rich and i see in this book so many truths and principles of not not principles like you know that that you have to live by but just just things that are you know they they're just common sense it's like yeah if you believe something then you all of a sudden are more free to be open to thinking about okay now if that's if i believe i can do this what do i need to do to achieve it and then all of a sudden because you've opened yourself to that now you say to yourself Hmm. If I if I believe that I can generate twenty thousand dollars a month, what are some things that I could do to do that? I would have never asked myself what are the things that I could do if I wanted the business to generate twenty thousand dollars a month. And and so I sit down. And it's like you know what, I I am going to set a goal that I would love my business to go from ten thousand dollars a month to twenty thousand dollars a month. Not so that I can live extravagantly, but so that I don't have to squeak by. And and I don't feel like God's calling me to live like. George Mueller, I feel like, you know, I, I, I just like to have a little bit more freedom to to spend time and not worry about all those resources. You know, God, can you resource me this amount to to not live the way that I've been living? Is that okay? And and I'll be honest with you, there's struggles with, you know, it's like setting goals and dreaming big dreams and seeing the reality that so much of this is possible. And it's like, wow, if, if I if I were to pursue every single thing that that I could potentially pursue, I could generate $47,000 a month with this business. 
Mm. But I don't see myself wanting to pursue all of those things. But wow, I'm about ready to launch something that would generate. Uh, and and I, I, I'm launching it this weekend. I'm launching something that will generate a minimum of $10,000 a month that will take a, a minimum of 45 hours of my time per month. So I'm, I, I will make, if I pursue this and, and it's successful and I believe, trust me, I sincerely believe with all my heart, it's going to be successful. I'm about ready to embark on a journey where I'm, I'm going to see $10,000 a month spent with 45 hours, which is less than what I normally work every single week. Mm. And, and, and not only that, but it's not about, it's not just about the money, but yeah. the, what I'm about ready to do is going to take what gives me the greatest sense of purpose and greatest sense of fulfillment in my life. And I'm literally going to be committing to and investing into the lives of 100 people uh, that are podcasters who are doing positive things in this world and I'm going to be building into them and to be quite honest with you I worked it out on paper and yeah it's a minimum of 45 hours and I would de- I would deliver on every commitment I would make to those people but the thing is I know I'm going to give so much more and, mm. and and the cool thing is is I feel like wow with this opportunity I'll have the ability to to not worry and, and, and see the thing is is it's like well maybe I need to worry a little bit more because if I'm not worrying enough, then am I really relying on God? Does that <laughs> does see how messed up my mind is on some of the stuff? Yeah, because in the end you you get end up trusting a bank account or trusting a plan or trusting a scheme again. And I, yeah. I think where God keeps inviting us into is I want you just to trust me. I'm gonna take care of you. Yeah. I'm just I just am. And I think for a lot of people on this kind of what we call a relational journey of living kind of outside the constraints of religious obligation and learning to respond more freely to how Jesus works in our heart and lives is that we get to be more at rest in uncertainty. I think part of our mental challenge to get around this journey is I'll be at rest when all of my circumstances are secure. Mm. And I think what Jesus invites people into is no, no, no. You need to know Father's the Father you can trust at moments of uncertainty. Therefore, you don't need to fight to make your life certain. You just don't because you have a Father. That, and when He becomes more real than the bank account, He becomes more real than what I can scheme to make income, I think that's where the freedom comes because I, I think most people, you know, I trust God for my money if I could win the lottery and have $2 million in my bank account. Then, you know what? I'll trust God to take care of me. Mm. You know, God wants us to be... Because it's not just money, it's the uncertainty of cancer. It's the uncertainty of, of, of losing a job. It's the uncertainty of a best friend betraying you and stealing your business. There, there's a whole lot of things that life will continue to deal to you. And even scripture makes clear, don't trust in finances because they're here today and gone tomorrow. So th- there's no trust there. The moment we do, it, we're going to reach some kind of disappointment. But what Jesus wants to relate us to is a father who is so certain that now circumstances don't have to be. Yeah. And I, to me, that's the freedom that God's letting Sarah and I live in it. You know, some little mesh. We feel like we're just kind of seeing over that horizon. But to me, that's the joy of living there. Because now my rest doesn't depend on any external circumstance. It just doesn't. And, and, I, and I will honestly say to the world that I still struggle. That, 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 that I, and, and Oftentimes I sit there and it's like, you know what, For I, I recently, I mean, I became a Christian in ni- December 9th, 1991. I was 18 years old. 
It was uh, 20 years ago, actually 21 years ago. I turned 39 tomorrow. Uh, but uh, the thing is, is, is I remember just the 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 pure passion and and the the overwhelming sense of yes, this is a relationship with the true one God. And and over time, I, I came to this place where I learned uh, and just kind of broke free from it. And it was probably four months ago uh, where I, I realized that my relationship and my trust was in an institution, information and a moral code of conduct. And, um, you know, and, and, and I'll be honest with you, I still struggle today. It's like, do I trust more in the bank account than I do God? Is 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 money more a reality to me? Yeah. Than, than a loving father. And I honestly, and, and I, I've had this conversation with God. I was like, God, you know, sometimes I, I don't, I don't know what a loving father is. I, <laughs> I, I mean, and I hate to say that because, you know, my stepdad, I, I, he loves me. I, I mean, he loves me, but it, but it's not what I hear. I, when I hear you talk, I mean, I would never call my, my, my dad, Papa. I mean, come on, pop. That's I hear you, and I hear other people, and I hear other people. I don't just, call my dad Papa either. Well, but the thing is, is I hear I hear people say the love of father. I'm like, I, I, just so much affection, and it's like I don't get that language. It, it I, I, I'm 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 starting to understand the love. I'm starting to feel the love. I'm starting to see the provision. I'm starting to to it, it's becoming more real. But at the same time, there are sometimes I'm like, but. But is this just mental assent? Have I exchanged the Have I exchanged a relationship with the institution and information about Jesus with now my relationship is just information about being free in Jesus? Is it still mm. Is it still a relationship with information about information about being free from information, or is it really Jesus? You know, is it real? And 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 so yeah, I'm still in that place myself. That it you know I'm I'm yeah. Anyway, I don't well, sound, have any more words. <laughs> it sounds real to me. I mean, it sounds like you're on a really good growth curve. Does that mean we've got everything sorted out and can look down the road with absolute certainty? I think that's what he keeps winning us into every day. I want to I want to trust your love more today than I did yesterday. And I just want that to be a growing curve. And for him to become, I think for me, it changed. God, to me, was a bit of a creep growing up in the whole religious construct. And when I started on this journey and heard a different view of the cross that we talked about transitions, for the first time for me, the father became an endearing presence in the universe and not the austere, demanding taskmaster. And that's why I love using the term because it really, but that again, God is winning us into that space. He knows we were, we were created in a garden to be bilingual. And then we've lived now for seven, eight, six, seven, eight thousand years, only speaking the language of the earth. And us learning to reconnect with the reality of God, even though that's the purpose for the incarnation and the redemption. He knows it's a chore. He knows we're, we're thick. It takes a while to catch on to these realities. And he's immeasurably patient in helping us to learn to live in his freedom. Wow. This is fun. I, I, I really appreciate this conversation. And, and I know that our audience will and our community will as well. Um, great we had two pieces of audio feedback you said one of them would be great but another one probably be good for an entire episode sometime well guilt always strikes me as an episode worthy (laughs) (laughs) which one was the guilt one was that was that anna is from switzerland that that no 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 i think it was the other one i think it was katie it was katie uh go to church this go to church one yeah she was talking about feeling guilty about not okay 
so so we'll we'll leave that one and so I, if you don't mind Wayne, do you care if i, I play this uh feedback from anna real quick no go ahead all right let's play this real quick hi cliff this is anna from the my intercontinental live podcast i just finished um listening to the latest episode which i was eagerly anticipating since i've always loved um hearing you talk about um your faith and i'm so happy for you cliff um what you shared is so profound and I'm really excited for you. You sounded relieved. You really sounded free. And um, I already ordered um, the book you were talking about um, because you know what? I, I, when you talked, I knew exactly what you were talking about. Now my husband and I, we just started going to church a few months ago. Um, you know, I've been raised in church and, you know, was, uh, had my confirmation and all that. Um, but my husband didn't. And so we started to go to church like three or four months ago and he loves it. He really loves it. He's learning everything about it. Um, you know, um, and I really sit there every Sunday I'm bored out of my mind. You know, some sermons are, are really good, and but mostly I'm really despising. I really despise being there. Um, and I hate to say this. I, I am ashamed of saying this, just like you were. But it is the truth. And I know that God knows it is the truth. So I really am struggling with the same problem right now. And I don't know where I'm headed. I just wanted to say that you know, seeing you on that new path of your journey is um, fantastic. Thanks for sharing it with us. And um, yeah, I cannot wait what's next for you. Um, so yeah, that is all. Um, look forward to more episodes. Bye-bye, Cliff. Thank you so much, Anna. And wow, I, I tell you, it's, it's, it's a joy to hear that people are on this journey and, 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 they're struggling with it. And, and, and I, I, I think that's a good thing. It is. The struggle's great because you're learning something in the midst of it. And I think part of what she'll learn over time is that I think the best reason to go to church is because my spouse is finding it beneficial and I'll be there for them. And there's lots of ways you can turn off dumb things being said from a pulpit and <laughs> get your mind somewhere else. I mean, you've got a scriptures right in front of you. You can read some other stuff if you want to. I sit in a lot of boring meetings in the course of a year, and I have lots of ways to entertain myself if the person up front is not all that entertaining. And, uh, I, but I, I think helping a couple go along together somehow, not trying her to convince him or him to make her go, but find a way to be, to share your journeys together. And if Sarah wanted to go every Sunday morning to a place that I even found a bit boring, you know what, I'd go just to be with her. That's an hour and a half, two hours, whatever, with her. And it, the real purpose would be going to be with her, even if I felt like, yes, I'm not getting as much out of this as she is. Uh, to me, that'd be reason enough to be a part of it. But I, I think the larger journey we're talking about is not just not going to church. It's to engage God in a more relational way. And you know, unless you're in a place that's just absolutely destructive and there are some like that, uh, you can find ways to love each other through your differences and that'll help you have a journey together. Absolutely. Well, Wayne, I really appreciate you coming on again and uh, I'm going to do it to you again. Are you going to come back again? Uh, yeah, I, I enjoy hanging out with you. So this is all good for me. Awesome. And I, don't have to, I don't have to do production, so I'm all good with it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, do you mind people emailing you or t sending them over to your blog or where do you want to send them? 
Yeah, livestream.org is the best place to go. There's a contact thing there. It's probably the best way to get through to me. Um, but yeah, and my email address is in just about every book I printed, so they can find me that way too. Excellent. Lifestream.org. My friends, we'll be back again very soon with more from encouraging others through Christ. In fact, I have an audio clip from one of your most recent episodes I'm going to be bringing next, and we'll have Wayne on again soon. Until next time, my friends, we encourage you to join the community.